This week on Writers, Inc. One of the things that I'm always, I, I've been pushing for for a while is we, I think the organization does well to help people in the debut world. So basically, oh, I've got a book coming out and there's the debut author program that they do. But there's a lot of stuff that is confusing in the, in the book publishing world. Whether you are traditionally published or indie, writing a good book is only the first step in becoming a successful author. The days of just turning a manuscript into your editor and walking away are gone. If you want to succeed in today's publishing world, you need to understand every aspect of the business. Editing, formatting, marketing, contracts. It all starts with a good book. Then the real work begins. Join international best-selling author J.D. Barker and indie powerhouse Jay Thorne as they gain unique insight and valuable advice from the most prolific and accomplished authors in the business. The publishing world is changing, adapting. Do you have what it takes to become a full-time writer? If you're willing to do the work, we'll give you the tools. Get your notepad out, school's in session. This is Writer's In. Happy New Year, man. Happy New Year. So everything's going to be totally different, right? Yeah, 2021, you, fixed. Just, you flip yep. that switch and, and bam, <laughs> just like the ball drops in New York in Times Square and we're all good. Yeah, everything's fine now. <laughs> <laughs> I just literally, I, I just walked out of our home theater. The guys from, you know, Best Buy's got this home theater division called Magnolia. Um, and if you, you get equipment from them, like they'll come out and, and set it up. And these guys just left and they, they just finished wiring up a 13.2 surround sound system in, in my home theater. And I don't, I don't know if you've ever heard 13.2, no, but it, I don't even, I can't even imagine what 13.2 is. Well, here's the thing. I, I didn't start off with that many speakers. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I had six speakers in there originally and, and they're, they're bows and they're, they're good ones. And I had them mounted up on the ceiling and it sounded okay. Um, but my receiver died on me. And, you know, one of the, you know, the ceilings are actually cathedral ceilings in that room. So like they're pointing down at you. So like your front speakers are coming at you from the top instead of directly in front of you. So like some things, you know, like a car driving above your head, you know, it's kind of what it sounded like. Okay. Um, so I, I knew I had to fix that. So Black Friday came around and I, I got a really good deal on, on some clips on speakers and I, I bought six of them. Um, so now I had 12 speakers plus a, a, a subwoofer because, you know, I had to get a subwoofer. And then I bought a second subwoofer because I was told you have to have two. Of course. Uh, yeah. So then I, I, I started researching all this and realized that there's only like one receiver out there that could actually push all of that. Um, and it's made by, by Denon. Um, and it, it actually has 13 channels. So six speakers wow. in the ceiling, six speakers on the ground, two subwoofers and, and a center channel. Um, so they literally just got this all wired up and we were watching the Avengers trailer and they're like maybe 10 minutes ago and my mind is completely blown because <laughs> this sounds so much better than like even going to a regular movie theater. I mean, it's, wow. it's insane. Um, so yeah, so I'm a little scatterbrained that and, and lack of sleep. And I just want to get back in there and throw on Wonder Woman because I still have not watched that movie. I've been putting it off knowing that this was going to, going to happen. And I kind of wanted to wait until I got the new system in place. Yeah. You can treat yourself now. Yeah. Yeah. But I, like now my daughter's awake, you know, cause we're recording it's one o'clock in the afternoon. So like she has never seen that room actually working and I'm like deathly afraid of what will happen when she realizes <laughs> she can watch cartoons on that screen. Um, so I don't know. I'm going to figure that one out. I, I might have to wait for tonight, but yeah, so I'm, I'm stoked about that. Um, what's going on in your world? Nice. Uh, I'm, I'm starting the world. I'm starting the year with a, a big experiment. Uh, I got something I'm calling runes, ravens and revenants, and it's going to be a short story a week for, uh, the entire week of 2021. And I'm offering it to my mailing list. So if you're interested, 
head on over to jthorn.net and sign up and, and you'll, you'll get the offer. Uh, the idea, believe it or not, came from Ray Bradbury. In one of his writing advice sessions, he said uh, to a bunch of young writers, if, uh, if you write a short story a week, every week for one year, it's impossible not to have at least one or two good ones. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought that's a really interesting approach. Like, you know, it, it's sort of a, a really uh, a blue collar work ethic. Like you just show up and you write one every week. And, you know, at the end of the year, you're going to have at least a couple that, that are, are really good stories. So I'm going to give it a shot. Well, Ray, you know, he, he nailed a couple, right? Yeah, he did. He was a pretty good short story writer, too. Yeah, so. him and Philip K. Dick, they've got some of the best short stories, I think, out there. Um, yeah. and we talked about this before. Like, writing a short story is is huge from a skill set standpoint because it teaches you everything that you need to know, you know, to, to write a novel, to write, you know, a novella or whatever. Like, if, if you can knock out a full story in the in the short version and, and hit all the beats, um, that that's, you know, incredible training. So, yeah, I mean, that that's probably a very wise thing to do. And I wish you the best of luck because I know I couldn't do it. <laughs> I'm sure you could. <laughs> <laughs> now, I te- everything I write tends to go long. I, I don't know yeah. why. Like, I, I mean, I've, I've, I've got a couple of short stories out there but it always seems to just grow a little bit longer and then you know i realize well if i take this short story and i combine this idea with this idea then you know i've got something totally different and and honestly that's where a lot of the really good stuff seems to come from for me like it's funny because i'm writing a novel now and i can't get into a whole lot of detail but um it's told in first person and and that's always tricky when you write a, an entire book in you know first person point of view because obviously everything has to happen in front of that character um because to me like writing you know like in third person in a lot of ways it's it's it, it's a out because you know if you get stuck as a writer you can kind of jump into somebody else's head and you can always come back and um you know it's it, there, there's nothing wrong with it don't get me wrong it's just it, it's way more harder to write a story in, in first person and I, I had probably about half of this book figured out um but something was missing and i just i went through some old short stories of mine and like pulled one out and i was like holy crap you know like i could weave this through and it's gonna make perfect sense and it's oh. gonna give a lot more depth to the character and two totally different ideas. I mean, they've got literally nothing to do with each other. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's weird. It's like peanut butter and chocolate, you know, like sometimes you just, you land on a, a good combination. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool, man. And you know, from the author perspective, one thing I'm doing with this is, uh, getting into the weeds here for a minute. Cause I think other authors might find this, uh, valuable. I'm, uh, as I said, I'm offering it to my list. They're gonna. Uh, I'm. I'm gonna ask them uh, to pay a, a nine dollars and ninety nine cents one time, uh, and they'll get a short story a week every Sunday for the whole year. And I'm using BookFunnel, so every short story is gonna be a BookFunnel download, uh, and then they'll be put into a BookFunnel bundle just for the people who purchase it. But at the back of every short story, is a is a link to a Google form where I'm gonna ask the readers to rate it. So all they have to do is click on a one, one to five star rating. And if they want to leave a comment, they can. And at the end of the year, I'm going to take a look and I'm going to, I'm going to compare all the data from all the books and see which short stories really connected with people, and which ones didn't. And then maybe I'll do something with those, like, you know, expand them to a novel or possibly a series. But I'm, I'm really kind of, uh, I'm, I'm going to put a big volume of work out there and then see what the readers really connect with. Now, do you actually have ideas for all these short stories or are you just going to hit the the computer with a blank screen and just kind of go for it. I'm uh, I'm gonna push myself to do things that I normally don't do. So I'm gonna uh, for some of them I'm gonna start in first person. Some of them I'm gonna handwrite. Some of them I'm gonna plot. Some of them I'm gonna pants. Uh, I'm just gonna experiment. I'm gonna try a bunch of different things and really try and push myself into areas that I haven't done before as a way to to low uh, to grow and to learn. So it, it'll it'll be a big experiment. 
That's actually a very valid point, and it's not something we've ever talked about before. But changing the the format um, can make a, a big difference, particularly in your voice. Like if you you know if you're used to working on your computer and you go to you know writing it down on a notepad, like that you, you could end up with a completely different story. Or like I've got an old Royal typewriter in here, and I'm, I'm working on a novel on that. You know, like oh, nice. On, on the side, like I just you know it's like maybe one page a month. Like I just kind of when I get an idea, I, I head over there. Um, but the voice is different just because the the method of delivery is different. Like it's right. it's, it's hard to explain but your brain just kind of snaps into a, a different mode i think when you do that sort of thing um so yeah that that's all uh, I, I love it that's a great exercise oh cool I, i'll keep everyone updated as it goes along um but that, that's my plan i'm committing to it i'm usually pretty disciplined i, I recognize that not every short story is going to be a home run but i'm just going to sit every week i'm going to do it i'm going to commit to it and i'll see see what the readers think at the end of the year cool all right. All right. I want to give a big shout out to Kobo Writing Life. Uh, Tara and her team are uh, going to be sponsoring us again for, for 2021, which is fantastic. If you are considering publishing your books wide or you already have them, you've got to be on Kobo. Uh, you can check out the promotions tab. You can set your prices. And if you want to know more, head on over to KoboWritingLife.com and check out everything they have to offer. Fantastic company, fantastic people. All right. Who we, we, also have have, uh, we also have a new patron I want to give a quick shout out oh. to. We have uh, Chelsea Moore has uh, become a patron of the Writers, Inc. podcast. So thanks a lot, Chelsea. Uh, super to have you with us, and we really appreciate it. All right. Who do we have on today? Today we have Jeff Ayers. I believe you know Jeff pretty well. I do, and I, and I didn't up until a, a few months ago. You know, I'm on the board now with ITW, and he's one of these guys. Like he reminds me of the wizard in, in Wizard of Oz, like behind the curtain, where he's just he's pulling the levers and pushing the buttons. Like he's he's doing a lot of That's stuff. An apt and, description. Yeah, nobody really knows what what he's up to, but um, he's got his hands in just about everything, and he's a really good guy, um, and just you know really helping the organization move forward. A, a really good guy to work with. Excellent. Yeah, it's going to be fun. Uh, we wanted to have him on to talk a little bit about uh, Thriller Fest and, and some of the things that are happening within the organization. So I, I think it's going to be a fun conversation. All right. Well, here he is, Jeff Ayers. Hey, Jeff, tell me about an interview you did that went in a direction you didn't expect. Oh my goodness, that's a great question. Thank you. So, uh, so I was interviewing uh, one of my favorite writers, Lisa Unger. And I was asking her about sort of what motivated her to write the type of book she wrote. And uh, then she started talking about the murder of her friend in high school. And that immediately threw me for a complete loop. Not at all what I was expecting. Um, usually when you talk to writers, they say, well, I like books like this. And so I wanted to write books like that. But having you know, the personal experience and having her relive that, that just went in an unexpected direction. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Uh, I mean, did it, did it change the tone of the interview and did it shape it in ways you weren't ready to go or <laughs> I guess you kind of had did. to go that way, right? <laughs> yeah. You, you kind of had to. Yeah. And uh, it was amazing that that experience for her and thankfully everything was resolved. They found the person who did it and all that, because that was the very next question I had. Um, I could see how that experience personally influenced her writing. And you see a lot in writing and, and the books I love to read when the author can add that personal touch, you can tell it's not just, Oh, I'm following the market. I'm, you know, I'm writing about something that really, it feels close to home to me. This is why I want to write about it because I'm passionate about it. 
Right. Yes. Now, was this interview with Lisa one that you did for the Star Trek Fiction uh, Companion, or was this for the podcast? Uh, it was. It was for a podcast I was doing. At okay. The time. Okay. Yeah. Um, I, I do. I do uh, a podcast with John Robb of Suspense Magazine called Beyond the Cover, and we do interviews there on a regular basis. Now, is that part of the Suspense Radio Network? Is that kind it of is. how it's configured? Okay. Can yes. you tell us a little bit about that network and how that works? Um, well, originally there were several shows that John was producing for that. So there was one that, uh, author Doug Lyle was doing about, uh, forensics. Uh, there was one that, uh, Stephen James was doing, uh, called the, uh, I want to say story, it's something about storytelling and talking to people about telling stories. And then, uh, we wanted to do it. Uh, we called it beyond the cover with the idea being that uh, we would talk about books we were enjoying in addition to having people come on and talk about their works. Great. Yeah. And, and uh, yeah, he's, he's a character. I, I pitched him at, uh, I pitched Rob at, at Thriller Fest last year and he, he's quite a character. So uh, yeah, but, the, but you guys have a lot of fun with that. Oh, we do. Yeah. In fact, we, uh, we have a continuing standing argument, which is fun when we bring people on. Um, the, Series are standalones. What's better? And I, I'm in the series camp because I really enjoy following characters as they grow over the course of several books. And he prefers standalones. Interesting. So it's always a fun yeah. argument. Yeah. yeah. Well, I and mean, I'm right. So there you go. Of course. Yeah. And he's because he's not here. So it doesn't matter what he thinks. Exactly. <laughs> You've uh, you've been in the in the writing and publishing industry a long time. Can you tell us about some of the, some of the different projects you've worked on, whether they're for yourself or or for others, or in your library days, anything like wherever you want to start. Oh, well, I was a, um, a kid who loved reading from the get go, and I remember when I was eight years old, uh, a book came out called Jaws, and everybody was raving about this book. And I think then the I've movie heard came, of it. Yeah, yeah, you might have. Um, so the movie came out when I was around nine or so. I'm aging myself now. And um, I said to my mom, I want to go see this movie. And she says, well, no, I, I don't feel comfortable with you doing that. And I said, well, what if I read the book and then talk to you about the book and then you took me to see the movie and then we would compare? Are you a lawyer, Jeff, by any chance? <laughs> <laughs> no, most storytellers are though, aren't they? Yeah. <laughs> um, so she, she actually agreed. So I read the book and then uh, she took me to see the movie and talked to her about all the differences. And uh, she was like, okay. And from that point on, actually, if I wanted to read anything, she was totally cool with it. Oh, and it was great. Nice. So, yeah. yeah. Um, and then just fell in love with reading and became a librarian. And <laughs> uh, for several years, I was actually a selector which is um, essentially you work in a central location and then you pick and choose what goes where. So I would talk to all the uh, publicists and the publishers and they'd say, okay, we have this book coming out in three months. And I'd be like, okay, we're going to order four copies of that. And where is it going to go? That sort of thing. And, but always talking to them, I always thought I want to get in, I want to be on that side. I want to be on that side. And then uh, circumstances um, happened. And next thing I know, I'm uh, no longer a selector. I'm a clerk. And so I said, okay. And I talked to my wife and she says, you've always wanted to write. This is your opportunity. So uh, just so happened there was a writer's conference in my area. I'm in Seattle. 
And uh, I realized one of the things I'm a huge Star Trek fan, huge Trek fan. I had all the Star Trek novels and I thought I want to, I want a guide to them all. So I decided I'm going to write a guide to all the novels. And of course you can't do that without an agent and all those other things. So um, I wrote up a proposal and went to this writer's conference and got an agent. And um, we, she took the proposal to Simon and Schuster and they said, yes. So that was my first book. It's called Voyages of Imagination, the Star Trek Fiction Companion. And so I reviewed over 550 novels that have been published up to that point and interviewed over 350 writers. Wow. That was, it was uh, two years of absolute sheer joy. Oh, I'll bet. I mean, was this something you were working on pretty much full time for those two years? Um, Well, in addition to my library job, yes. And then I was also uh, at that time I was reviewing for library journal and book list. So I was sort of spacing my reading out and writing. Yeah, wow. it was, yeah, it was, it was amazing. <laughs> yeah, what, what ballpark, like what percentage of those 550 novels did you have to revisit in the two years versus ones that you just knew because you were fans of? All of them. Wow. I, oh. It was, it was only fair. Yeah. You know, even though I really liked ones like, well, how can I talk about it and talk to the writer about it if I'm not, familiar with it or you know i i oh i forgot about this part it's like no totally yeah no totally immersed myself in that world wow that's quite a project yeah. <laughs> it was a lot of fun yeah. yeah and so so since then i've been uh, doing a lot of book reviews for like the associated press i'm a freelancer for them and uh, yeah i'm still doing some stuff for library journal and book list and this year i'm happy to say i was able to take an early retirement from the library. So I no longer have the day job. Oh, thank you. That's fantastic. The weird thing was the timing. uh, Mm, Yeah. (laughs) Because um, my, and this, this is totally weird. The rule is in order to officially be retired, you have to come in on your last day. They shut the city down three days before (laughs) my last day. So even though I'm retired and taking retirement, I still have to go in for one more day once everything's up. <laughs> so my, my boss said, we'll do a going away party for you. It's like, okay, that's nice. <laughs> so I don't actually work. So but, how uh, many yeah. months will it be then between your, your last day and your official last day? Uh, we're looking at eight months and counting right now. <laughs> wow. Yeah, so- the fun, the fun. That's crazy. So, how did your day-to-day life change uh, once you hit retirement? What was that like those first couple weeks? Well, the first couple weeks, um, I, I'd, I've been trying to write and do the reviews. And um, because of the wonderful world of uh, pandemics, um, everything that I had planned and everything that I had set up to do just completely got tossed out the window. And in fact, um, the Associated Press said we're not going to be doing book reviews anymore for a while. So all the ones that I had lined up and was scheduled to do were canceled. And uh, yeah, so I was like, okay. <laughs> and I had a book that was uh, a conspiracy sci-fi thriller that was going to be published by a major publisher. And they, well, let's just say I had to buy it back. <laughs> 
So my agent's now shopping that again. So all these things that I had in place just completely. Yeah. Wow. So, but I have to say, um, well, I know Thriller Fest is a place that you have been and I've been going there every year and volunteering, moderating panels and just love Thriller Fest. And because of what happened, um, I was asked to help record some sessions for the virtual Thriller Fest they did this year. I ended up recording over a hundred of them. <laughs> so it was nice. To, it was nice to be home and be able to schedule and do all those things. And then as a result, that's how I got the position I'm currently in for the, for international thriller writers. Great. Let's talk about that. That's pretty exciting. You are, oh. you're officially the co-executive director of Thriller Fest. Is that right? That is correct. Yes. Right. So tell us about that position and, and what, what kind of responsibilities you have. Well, I'm still learning, which is, which is great. Um, Cause if I stop learning, then, you know, um, I shouldn't even be doing this, but uh, what I'm doing currently is I'm working with the new board and the other co-executive director plus um, um, KJ Howe, who is the new um, director of ITW. And we're working on programming and just trying to move the organization forward for the next generation of people. And uh, I, I can mention Winter Thrills as an example. Yeah, please do. Um, so one of the things that I'm always, I, I've been pushing for for a while is we, I think the organization does well to help people in the debut world. So basically, oh, I've got a book coming out and there's the debut author program that they do. But there's a lot of stuff that is confusing in the in the book publishing world well you 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 understand it all so i'm sure you're fine but <laughs> oh yeah i know everything <laughs> oh yeah of course um but there's people who've published two three four books that you know like well i i don't understand you know this particular aspect how do i market myself how do i market the book in the world that's ever changing with social media and all this stuff. What's a podcast, you know, um, those, those sort of things. And so I really am happy we're doing this thing called winter thrills and I'm responsible for the uh, thriller MBA part of it, which is a series of recorded panels talking about those very things. Um, the things that as a writer, you tend to not either think about or understand. And I'm learning a ton doing this too. So as I mentioned, marketing, uh, I'm going to be recording one tomorrow. That's just about financial stuff. It's like, you know, taxes and things like that. Um, uh, to me, when I first started this, it was about, I'm writing a book. Now all this stuff will fall into place. Well, no, there, there's so many other elements to it. It's a business. It's not just uh, a hobby. Yeah, I'm so glad you have that perspective because I think there are so many authors, whether they're pursuing traditional publishing or, or publishing on their own, they have this fantasy that they're just going to go sit in the woods in a cabin and write a book, and that's that's all they have to do. And, and, and I think you quickly <laughs> find out that there's a whole lot more to it than that. Oh, absolutely. And I love this idea of the cabin in the woods writing, though, by the way. Sounds nice, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, get a hot spot, you're good to go. Um <laughs> Yeah, so the ho I'm hoping that people will um, 
look at winter thrills and sign up and here's some amazing people who are experts in the various topics yeah so you have uh i'm scanning the page here you guys are offering the uh, this Thriller MBA, which is which is brand new, um, you're also offering both masterclass and practice pitch fest. Can you can you talk about explain what those are? Masterclass is something that um, has been something Thriller Fest has been doing for a while, where they have a uh, person who is an expert in the field. Um, so we'll use JD as an example because he's actually one of the teachers yeah, this year. I, you know. I, I would not have been surprised if the guy changed his name so that he appeared first alphabetically. I would not have been surprised if he did that. Like Barker, B-A-A-R-K-E-R. Well, there's a reason why my last name's A-Y, just saying. (laughs) (laughs) So um, the idea is that um, as a writer, having someone who has been successful in publishing, look at their work, provide feedback, and then also teach about the craft for a period of eight hours. Yeah. And I, I think that's amazing. I do too. Yeah. It's quite, it's quite an experience. Yeah. Have you, have you done this yourself? I have. Yeah. Um, okay. I, so I, yeah. Yeah. And, and I think too, like, uh, you know, I, I love the way you have this configured in that um, you kind of kind of get to pick and choose, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, so you have a lot of options there. You can, you can look at the authors, you can do a bit of research, find one who, who is maybe a little further down the path and kind of in the direction you want to go and then take that masterclass. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. And yeah. And the practice pitch fest, a lot of, uh, beginning writers will say, you know, I, I'm really nervous. Um, I don't quite have a grasp on what my book's about, or if they're pitching, they'll say, so then this happens and then this happens and then my character does this. And when you're dealing with pitches, you want it to be, you know, um, you're stuck in an elevator for 15 seconds with your dream agent and they say, what are you writing? What do you tell them? That's, that's the perfect pitch essentially is because the idea is the door's open and that agent says, send it to me. That's the perfect pitch. Yes. And so that's what we try and do with practice pitch fest is help those writers hone down their pitch. So then they can turn around and uh, send out query letters to agents. Yeah. And, and I'll, I'll also chime in here with my personal experience in, in doing oh, pitch fest yeah. last year. Uh, whether you're, whether you want an agent or not, I think every author should have to go through a pitch fest <laughs> because <laughs> it forces you as you just mentioned, it forces you to be very succinct uh, about your about your project, and also to view it more as a, a marketing technique as opposed to an artistic one, because you're trying to sell the person across the table on your idea, and uh, and, and you don't do that by giving them a plot summary. Um, and I found, right. you know, I'm I probably pitched. I'm guessing 15 or 20 different editors and agents during Pitch Fest, and I found that. I kept getting better and better every time. And, and so having that practice is invaluable. And I love the fact that you're offering those practice sessions uh, at, uh, at this practice pitch fest. Do you have any idea who is going to be the, on the other side of zoom for these yet? Um, we actually do have a very comprehensive list of uh, industry professionals who've agreed to say yes. 
and it depends on how many people we get signed up. Ah, okay. So we're, we're kind of waiting to see how many people do sign up and then assign accordingly. Um, one of the things that we're also offering this year, which is different for this winter thrills besides the timing of it is uh, we're offering a query letter. I can't even say this query letter panel with the idea being that uh, we have a couple of agents and an editor and we take a letter and the person who's moderating reads the letter out loud and also shares it on the zoom screen. So the people on the panel can actually see the letter as well. We remove all the personal information, like who wrote it. But the idea is giving query letter feedback on the spot. So on one hand, if it's your letter, you're getting immediate feedback. But on the other hand, if it's not your letter, you're seeing what elements of the letter turn off or turn on agents and editors. Mm. So it's, it's, it's an amazing experience. And I've seen this done at uh, conferences in the past and it's been one of the most popular segments. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, I think uh, how, how successful was your um, going to pitch fest? I, I'm, I need to know yeah, how, well, how successful was it? Yeah. It's, it's a, it's a bit of a long story. So I'll give you the short version. The short version was, <laughs> I felt like it was the first time I'd ever pitched anywhere for anything. And I, I had, um, I had partial requests from almost everyone I pitched. And then I had out of those 15 or 20, I think I had four or five requests for full manuscripts. I didn't sell it. Um, uh, so, and, and part of that, and that's why JD's helping me on a new manuscript because he felt like there were problems with the manuscript that, uh, was the reason why no one was interested beyond that. But the but the pitching itself, I felt like I kind of got it and I learned from it. And now I kind of know what, what agents and editors expect to hear in that situation. Um, I'd had an agent for several years. Um, I'll tell you a story here. And I worked the, as a door captain for the pitching. So I was helping the agents, making sure everybody was behaving themselves and also, I, I tried to go around and uh, help calm people down. <laughs> and, my, and, my, and my favorite story was there was this guy I saw in line, and he was just shaking. And, you know, I, I thought, I need to give you a paper bag because you're hyperventilating practically. And so I said, okay, you know, it's okay. You know, the agents are people, you know, just calm down. And so I talked to him a little bit. And I said, what do you do for a living? He said, I'm a cop. And I said, is anybody shooting at you right now? <laughs> Hopefully they weren't. <laughs> yeah, no, no. Uh, yeah, but it was just, it was interesting that someone in a role like I, something I could never do in a million years was nervous just doing the process. And that's the other thing I hope with what we're doing with Winter Thrills, what we've done Thriller Fest in the past, is to try and make the process as easy as possible and as painless as possible and get the, help people get the nerves out of the way. Yeah. And that, and, and that's so important, right? It's just kind of, kind of settle in, block everything out and just do what you came there to do. Uh, yeah. 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 Um, and I, I will tell you that um, when I started this year, I had a different agent and over the course of working with virtual thriller fest and uh, realizing that my agent I had was not doing anything for me at all. Um, I, broke uh, i i severed our relationship which was terrifying because it's like 
goals getting an agent, but a bad agent is worse than having no agent. Yeah. <laughs> and so thankfully, uh, over the, because of the stuff I worked on and uh, was doing, I have a new agent and he's amazing. Oh, great. Great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I also too wanted to mention this because uh, I don't, I don't think we were specific about it, but what I really like about the way you guys have set up this winter thrills master uh, class is, or I'm sorry, the, the thriller MBA is yes. in that you, you can get the whole package or you can select a la carte. So if there's something very specific that you want, like book to TV film, there's a session on that on legacy mm -hmm. writing, uh, the world of author marketing. So you can go in and just pick the, the specific sessions that you want. Yeah. And one of the things that we told the panelists is we want to approach this as you're the experts and they are and talk about it. So someone who wants to learn about that particular topic will come away going, I just, I feel like I've been in a college session. Yeah. And I have to say um, the advantage of recording these, I have been learning a ton. <laughs> Absolutely. In fact, I keep a notepad by my computer now when I'm recording these and I'm just scribbling like mad. Yeah. And it's, it's been great. And even the one I was moderating, I actually did the book to TV film and uh, I, I realized, wait, stop scribbling. You're moderating this. <laughs> so what I did is I stopped and then uh, went back and watched it again and then took my notes. Perfect. But, yeah. yeah. Well, I have, yeah, a... it's definitely worth the investment. Yeah. Whoever's listening to this. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Um, and, and we'll have, we'll have links in the show notes for, for folks to go and check it out pretty easily. Uh, as we kind of wrap up, I have a, I have a last question. I'm going to modify it a bit based on who you are and what your responsibilities are. So I hope this doesn't throw you for too much of a loop. Uh, hey, I was told no gotcha question. So no, yeah, there's, this isn't a gotcha. Uh, at least I don't think it is. Uh, I, I think the elephant in the room maybe in, during the whole conversation is Thriller Fest. Uh, I, I, I'm sure there's only... You know, there might be things you can or can't say, but do you have any sense of, of if Thriller Fest is going to happen in 2021 or what it might look like or when it might occur? I am not 100% sure, but from what, well, let, let, me, let me start off by saying I have a wife who's a research scientist and she is studying this virus specifically right now. And it is based on what she has told me in the past, that's been 100% accurate. And based on what she's telling me now, I am pretty sure that uh, Thriller Fest 2021 will be virtual. That, Because um, if you think about it, let's say everything's back to normal in May, would you still want to come into New York and do all this stuff? I don't know. So I'm pretty sure that we'll do a virtual and I'm bummed too, because I always love coming to New York, but I'm sure by Thriller Fest 2022, which will be in a new location because the um, current location, they're actually going to be shutting it down and tearing it up and putting up condos from what I understand. So, wow. that, that, so yeah, so I have a feeling it'll be virtual in 2021 and then uh, we'll be back to normal. I've got the air quotes going in uh, 2022. But yeah, I'm sure there'll be something official one way or the other shortly. 
and maybe even by the time people hear this. All right. There was Jeff. Uh, fun guy, fun conversation. Uh, anything catch your ear right off the bat there, JD? Jaws, have you ever read the book? I have not. You you really should. It, it, it's one that it surprised me a lot. I mean, because he gets into the, the head, the point of view of the shark, which is not something that I expected when I picked up that book. Um, but it, it's a very dynamic book and it, it, it goes in a lot of directions that the, the movies obviously can't just because of that that direction. But it's a, a good book to to read just to, to get something different. You know, the, the fact yeah. that he can write a book from a shark's point of view. I've, I've seen a, a few authors have done that in the last Thomas Harris book. He had a, a little snippet that was from a mouse's point of view. Um, but it's, you know, it's tricky to do without coming across as, as hokey, you know, it's like a cartoon character that's talking to you. Um, but it, in Jaws, you definitely feel it. And, you know, you, you understand what, what he's, what the shark is actually up to. Yeah, it's definitely on my list. It's one of those books I have to read, but I just haven't gotten to it yet. Yeah, and the other thing that jumped out is I, I knew he's a Star Trek fan because whenever we do a Zoom interview, he's he's sitting on the bridge, you know, like yes. his, his backdrop is is the Enterprise. Um, but I, I need to pick his brain because when I was a kid, there was a Star Trek book. It was either a novel or a short story that I read um, where the, the characters from the TV show are, you know, they're filming and they're on the transporter and they, they run through the special effects and somehow they change places with the real people. So like, you know james t kirk like switches places with you know the guy who plays james t kirk like that kind of thing so the actors get thrown into the real star trek world and the real star trek people get thrown into the film world and it was so cleverly written but like i remember it from when i was a kid and i haven't been able to figure out the title so i'm gonna have to pick his brain and see if he knows what that that story is yeah i don't know if you could if you heard it in my voice but i was blown away by the fact that he went back and studied all 550 star trek universe novels for his book it's crazy to think that there's even that many, but yeah, they're, they're out there. I mean, that is, you talk about like, a, you know, a, a, a dedication and a passion. Like I'm sure Jeff didn't make millions off that project, but like the fact that he was that into it and like, uh, and willing to go to that length to get the, the book right really speaks to his, his power of, of commitment and dedication. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's kind of ticked a lot of the boxes. I mean, the fact that he reviews for Booklist and Library Journal and those guys, um, you know, going back to the wizard, you know, thing like it's that's his peek behind the curtain. Like he understands what those guys are kind of looking for. Um, and he had mentioned that he had to buy his book back from his publisher and he's out shopping it again. And that's kind of, uh, you know, the, the world that we live in today with with COVID and everything. I know a lot of people that have been forced to do that. And I'm sure this the Simon and Schuster merger is, is probably going to cause more of that. Yeah, for sure. I uh, also want to make sure we mention uh, and talk a little bit about uh, the future of Thriller Fest and, and Winter Thrills, and I know you're involved with some of that, so uh, are, are, is there an update? Are there things from your perspective you wanted to talk about? Yeah, I know a lot of it is still up in the air, but uh, the way I understand it, the general thinking is this year's Thriller Fest will probably be virtual um, for you know the exact reasons that, that he named. You know, like even if the you know everybody gets vaccinated, like who's who's really going to want to go to New York and go to a, a conference? You know, this year I think we're all shell shocked, you know, PTSD from from this thing. So we we need to get it a little further in the rear view. So it's from what I've been told, it's probably going to be virtual. Um, and this is also the last year that the Grand Hyatt is going to be standing. I mean, it's a beautiful hotel, um, but they're they're not going to down. Um, so next year, Thriller Fest will be at another location in New York, which I don't think they've actually disclosed yet. Um, but, you know, that's one of the good things that has actually come out of this virus is, you know, a lot of these conferences are finding a way to exist in, in both worlds, virtually and in, in the real world. Uh, Winter Thrills being a, a great example of that. I mean, I, I love the fact that I'm, I get to be part of that. I'm going to be teaching a, a you know, relatively small group, which is always nice, um, and, and doing it, you know, from the comfort of my office. I don't have to hop on a plane and go to a strange city and hang out in a hotel and, you know, because 
balance all all of that you know obviously keeps me from writing so you know at least this way i can still do the same things i can still help those authors and you know i flip a switch and i'm, I'm right back at my desk you know which, which is nice um, I know, I, I think it's, if, if I remember right, it's taking place January 11th and 12th. Um, I know I've got, I think two or three slots left for, for me. And, and there's a couple other authors that are also taking part. So if, if you're you know looking for some help with your book, I mean, as an author, I think you should definitely check this out, whether it's with me or one of the other authors, like, like you had mentioned in the interview, kind of read everybody's bio and figure out, you know, who's, who's been there, done that for your particular type of book or your scenario, uh, and pick one because it's, it's one of those cases where, you, you know, you can sit down and get a lot of the answers that you you know, may have been searching for um, relatively easily. I, I have a lot of fun doing these. We've got stories that everybody has, has submitted from my group um, that we're going to pick apart, you know, figure out what's working, what's not working. Um, and I'll help them, you know, with wherever they need it, you know, whether it's query letters or, you know, story itself, whether it's, it's shopping for an agent. Um, Jeff had brought up a good point, And it's one of the things the new board at ITW is really trying to solve. You know, ITW has been fantastic helping out debut authors. You know, they've got the whole debut author program and, and getting that first book out there. Um, and they've also got some incredible superstars on, on the ITW roster. You've got guys like Lee Child or Heather Graham and, and people like that. Um, but, you know, the ones in the middle are the ones that really need the help. And uh, the current board is really focusing on that. So, you know, you're once you've got your debut novel in the rear view and you're working on the second one, the third one or the 10th one or whatever it is, you know, like it, they're, they're helping you know to teach marketing and, you know, how to survive in the, in the current publishing world when you're when you're in that that space. And that that's huge because that's where pretty much everybody is a lot. Of, you know, the largest percentage is definitely there yeah we'll have a link in the show notes so you can easily uh go and and check it out and see what's available uh, quick follow-up to that i know that um you you're probably not the typical th uh, traditionally published thriller writer in that you seem to be very open to a lot of uh new ways of doing things what is your sense from from the organization of of maybe some of the um, more traditional authors and their willingness to sort of accept this new virtual world that we're in and, 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 and uh, you know, running sessions like this over Zoom. Is that, is that something you think is being embraced? Is that a transition kind of thing? You know, it's really tough to say because I, you know, there's a lot of things that I like about it and I'm sure, you know, the other people that are doing it like too. Um, but at the same time, it's, it's very difficult to, to not be face to face, um, to do this, to do this virtually. Um, the biggest complaint I've honestly heard is, you know, all of us have speakers bureaus that we're registered with, myself included. So typically when I go out to a conference and I do something like this, I get paid for it. I, you know, they fly me out there, they cover my hotel, there's a, a fee that's involved, um, but it's, a, you know, a little bit of a moneymaker on the side. So it, it kind of offsets, you know, publishing income. Um, one of the things that I've been finding with, you know, the Zoom conferences is, you know, they still want us to do that kind of thing, but either at a lesser amount or a lot of them are just asking us to do it for free um, without realizing that, you know, it still impacts our, our time. It's taking us away from writing. I mean, every second that I'm not pounding out a chapter is, is costing me money. Right. Um, so, and that, that's probably the biggest complaint I've heard. And, and a lot of authors have gotten burnt out on it. You know, a lot of the, the people that have been out there teaching because you, we, we uh, agreed to do a lot more of them than we probably should have. I, and I know I'm guilty of that too, you know, like, because everybody came at us at the beginning of this, this virus and, you know, we, booked a lot of time slots for me personally I booked a lot you know thinking that while well, I'm doing it from home that means I can probably fit in a little bit more you know I'm not traveling I don't have to allow a day in the front and the day in the rear you know for travel time um, so I ended up booking a lot more and it's it's taxing you know it's it's definitely it's hurt my production a little bit yeah 
Yeah, it is. But it was just uh, something I was thinking about, and not not entirely relevant to what's coming up, but just something uh, I was curious about. So yeah, cool. Um, just to get back on on Jeff, like he brought up another thing that I just want to throw out there. He, he said a bad agent is worse than having no agent. <laughs> um, and that is that is so true. I, I know so many people that will sign with a agent. They don't care who it is. You know, like this person's got a shingle. They've got a website. They're an agent. I'm going to sign on the dotted line. Uh, I've seen so many people make that mistake. Uh, so one of the tools that that I always recommend is uh, called Publishers Marketplace. It's a, a website, you know, it's like, I think like $20 a month or something to subscribe. It's not expensive at all. Uh, but you can go on there and you can research agents. So you plug in their name and you can see, you know, who their authors are. You can see what kind of deals they've gotten for those authors in the past. You can basically determine whether or not they're legit. Um, and I, I highly recommend any aspiring author that's talking to agents on, on any front to do that. You know, never believe what you, you obviously find on a website, uh, even word of mouth, you know, if, if somebody gets referred over to you, you know, like to me, numbers are, are it, you know, they're real stats. This is what they're selling a book for. This is what they got for their last one. Like that, that that's who they really are and what they're capable of doing. Um, so I think it's really important. Uh, any, any author takes the time to do that. For sure. That's great advice. Yeah. Thanks. Right. Anything else with Jeff? Uh, just a delightful guy. Fun to talk to. It was, it was good. Good chat. Yeah, absolutely. Who do we have on next time? So next week we have HM Gooden and, uh, Sometimes we know the authors who are coming on. Sometimes we don't. So I, I don't know HM. I know that you don't either. We're look, uh, looking forward to getting to know her. She is the author of the Rise of the Light trilogy. Uh, so if you want to check that out ahead of time uh, and then tune in, well, yeah, that's who we'll be talking to next week. All right. Looking forward to it. Uh, so to our listeners, make sure you go to writersincpodcast.com and grab the free revision masterclass where you can see the storytelling process from beginning to end. We'll see you next episode and have a great week of writing. Thanks for listening to this episode of Writers, Inc. Access the show notes and leave a comment at writersincpodcast.com.